We'll be streaming live soon. Queima impureza do meu ser. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Chapter 19, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 19, verse 19. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. Andy Hines and Rick Bonfim are here at uh, RBM Studio to speak to you and share with you chapter 19, verse 19. It's 1 Kings 19.19. 19. And this chapter is completely uh, uh, with uh, 19, 20, 21, three verses as the call of Elisha. Now notice that the call of Elisha comes in before God takes the great prophet Elijah into the heavens. And so I want you to look at the order, order of movement in terms of how God sees ordination. People that He empowers and renews and calls to serve Him. There's a certain order. And uh, it's important because a lot of people don't quite put much emphasis on ordination, on empowerment. Uh, I, I was ordained uh, an elder in the United Methodist Church by Bishop Cannon. And he simply just uh, said a few words of empowerment over my life. But let's take a look. So, on verse 18 of chapter 18, God then brings a information to Elijah that even though he is alone, he is really not alone. I have left me 7,000 in Israel. So here's, here's, here's the, the word, I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which has not kissed him. If you go to Job 31, 26, it's customary to kiss the hand of the idol as an object of worship. The pulpit, the pulpit. Whether the number 7,000 is to be taken literally or not, we have no way of knowing. It could very well have been symbolic, but again, it could very well have been literal. And so, don't doubt on that. He is simply saying, God is saying, I have 7,000 men and women that have not kissed the hand of the idol, or they have not in no shape or form uh, abandoned me. Is there something that in my life I can recall of an instance in which a man of God called and kissed the hand of somebody else? Yes, yes. Yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a incident, 
in the days in Brazil, which is uh, uh, one of the most corrupted churches in the world, a leader of that church came to visit Brazil. And this anointed pastor of God, anointed man of God, went to the airport and was the first one to bow down as the plane landed and kissed the hand of that man, leader of another denomination. I want you to know that he died on a table of operation in Charlotte, Virginia, Charlotte, North Carolina, six months later. And again, his family and his ministry was totally dissipated and broken down in all kinds of pieces. Can a posture of respect and honor displease God? Oh, yes, it can. So if there is power in the object of, of ordaining someone, you've got to be careful who does it. You don't bring into an ordination status someone who is, has serious doubts, lack of commitment, lack of understanding, as to the nature and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, for is the agent from eternity that's operating in the world today, and is the strength of every Christian. So, so notice that that God is simply bringing this up to Elijah. So, verse nineteen then, on chapter eighteen, nineteen of nineteen. So he departed thence and found Elijah, the son of Shapa, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. There must have been a school of prophets in that area somehow. But upon none of these did Elijah cast his mantle. But guided by the Holy Spirit of God, he cast it upon a plowboy. A plowboy. Now to do that, it's really, really, really the way things are. Remember when the David was called to serve the Lord? Remember that Samuel went in the house of Jesse. And after seeing all the six tall, good-looking, six-feet-five boys ready for battle... God asked Jesse, Samuel asked Jesse, is there anybody else? Well, there's David, there's a little boy, he's up there taking care of the sheep. Bring him in. And the mantle fell on David. So I want you to know that height, demeanor, windows, voice intonation, college education, Seminary education, posture, a spiritual posture to impress upon people. God doesn't choose none like that. That's nobody. You've got to be very careful that you're not looking for someone to impress your congregation. You're looking for someone who God chooses, and God doesn't choose anybody. A lot of people serving the Lord who should be selling insurance. A lot of people serving the Lord... We should, be, we should be selling cars. And I've seen that. There's no anointing. There's no presence. Now, God chose a plowboy. He found this plowboy doing something that's very impressive. Okay? Now, 
How different are God's thoughts from men's thoughts. He chose Amos, who was the gatherer of a sycamore fruit. And Paul, who was not one of the twelve. And Moody, who was uneducated. Though men like these, he rebuked and refreshes the office of ministry. And so, let me take a look at what he was doing. First of all, the indication here is that he presents Elijah's, Elisha's father, son of Joppa. So, does that indicate that Elijah was familiar with the situation? Now, you know, when you begin to get to these little things in the Scriptures, and you begin to pound the bottom over there, would you say who wrote the book of Kings? Anybody would like to guess? No. I, I can find out, but I'm... I'm okay. Guess. All right. I want you to sort of wait for that. I don't want to get into that right now, but these are David's last days. These are David's last days. First Kings is the account. Now King David was old and stricken in years. Was either 69 or 70 years old. You're looking at an 80-year-old pastor, minister. So he was younger than me. The question here is that Elijah had to have knowledge of who Elisha was and who was his father. You find the strength of a man on the father. That is why it's so important that you as a pastor, as a minister, as a servant of the Lord, Keep peace with your father. For whatever God did through him, he'll do much better in you. If you can respect the call of your father. Because you've been, you've been called on the calling of your father. And so, and so, the, the, the writer of 1 Kings found Elisha, the son of Joppa, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. Now, what is twelve yoke? Twelve simply means four. Four and four. It doesn't say he was using all the twelve oxen. But it says before him. And here with the twelve. And in here, it says completely there are twelve oxen in front of him. And he is holding the plow. And he's tearing the ground apart. So, first of all, even though he was a plow boy, he must have, Elisha must have been a man of certain stature, certain masculinity, certain vibrance and physical posture to be able to hold a plow in front of twelve oxen. Oh my goodness. That's impressive. You're talking about with one here and the whip on the other hand, moving and moving. And, and hitting here and, and causing the earth to open right in before them. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Now we never we never paid attention to that because we don't think of ordination as something that serious. But ordination in this sense is serious because the mantle is a cover, a spiritual cover in the life of a man of God. I have a mentor over me. 
My sins are forgiven. I'm serving the Lord until the day I drop dead. Anyone I put my hands upon and I anoint upon, the, what I have in me will pass on to this person. I don't know who it is. You probably say, Rick, but uh, aren't you becoming a little proud? No, not really. Uh, I'm, se- I'm 80 years old. I've been serving the Lord for 55 years. I preached my first sermon when I was 14 years old. My first church as 14 years old. I have something in my life that has kept me going up to here. And you can't deny me that. Now, the anointing, the presence, <coughs> the empowerment, it's all over me. And whoever I passed on will remain. It's just the way it is. Not just me. Any anointed a woman or man of God has the ability to pass on the anointing, the mental that God has given you to serve Him as long as I have. Anybody. Anybody. So look at this. And cast His mental upon Him. Cast His mental. Do you know who cast the mental on Paul? Ananias. And Ananias prayed over Paul. Who cast a mantle uh, on, 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 on Moses? Think about it. Who cast a mantle on Moses? God himself in the burning bush, an angel of the Lord speaking to him, <laughs> empowered him and cast a mantle on him, and he went back to Egypt and accomplished what God has called him to do. Okay. Now, the, the verse 20 is really a, a take on how Jesus passed by the Peter, James, and John in the Lake of Galilee. Follow me. And they dropped all the fish. And, and of course, you know, the Father took over the, the, the business and they followed Jesus right there. But look at this. And he left the oxen and run after Elijah. Meaning that Elijah <laughs> was a fast dude. He is his movie. Now, how do you know that Elijah was fast? He ran 250 miles from Mount Bethel, from Mount, 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 Mount Carmel, all the way to Horeb, which is really, which is really the, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. He ate a fruitcake from the angel and run 40 days and 40 nights. 250 miles. What a, what an unbelievable thing. So, and run after Elijah means that Elijah is on the move to serve God until he's called. I know that the Lord loved him so much. He's one of the people of God who just was taken by a whirlwind into eternity. And I'm so proud of this prophet because of his diligence, his commitment to get job done, which is simply to go and anoint Hazel, the king of Assyria, and, and, and of course, uh, Elijah, the son of Shapa, of Abel Meloha. Now, this is where he lived, Abel Meloha. Prophet, your pro- the prophet is going to substitute you. The call really comes uh, on verse... Verse 16. And Jeru, the son of Nimshi, shall you anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Japa, of Abel Meloha, shall you anoint to be the prophet in your room. And so, 
So now, he has to do it. So he arrived in, in Abel Melocha. He found a young man plowing, twelve oxen, and passed by him. Verse 20 says, And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, Let me, I pray, kiss my father and my mother, and then I'll follow you. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? Go back again, what I've done to you. Why are you doing this? The call of God requires that you will not fall after your father and your mother. There are so many, so many instances here of correction between the call of God upon someone and the call of the in-laws upon someone. When the in-laws ordain the family of their children, the anointing on God cannot be placed upon the children because the father and the mother are simply interfering with the call of God. So, when you read this verse, readiness to obey the prophetic summons, Elijah could not have well have shown. He only asked that he be allowed to go bid his parents farewell which was the right thing to do for him to do, and to which Elijah readily acquainted. What is the word acquainted? Well, agreed. Agreed. So, so suddenly, Elisha is back into the call, and he returned back to him and took a yoke of oxen and killed them. Now think about this. This is the mind of a man who the mantle of authority and power and anointing has fell upon him as a plowboy. Look at this. He returned back to him, means Elisha returned back to Elijah, and took a yoke of oxen, meaning four of them. A yoke has four oxen. And killed them, and bore their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. Now, interesting, isn't it? Now, this is the heart of Elisha. And we're going to study the ministry of this great prophet. But what impresses me about him is that he went to see his mom and dad. After that, he took four oxen. They're big, 1,500 pound animals. Slaughter them, boil the meat, boil, boil. He didn't actually, how do you boil four oxen? <laughs> a, lot of water. a lot of water, a lot of hot water. And when the meat was fresh and cooked, you use hooks to take it out and spread between the families, his own family. It doesn't say it says his own family. It says, and gave unto the people. And gave unto the people, meaning that his family is involved. His mother and father, his brothers, his sisters is involved. A symbolic act, expressive of Elisha's entire renunciation of his secular calling. This was a farewell, not a religious feast. He was in essence saying that he would not come back. He's going to live now and forevermore serve the Lord. 
When I was uh, 14, 15 years old, my father put me on a plane in New York, in, in Rio de Janeiro. He gave me one-way ticket to New York City. And he prayed for me over a period of an hour. I was kneeling down at the airport, and my father was just being heard all over the place. And here I am at the age of 80 years old, under that anointing, under that call, under that presence, under that mental. It has been the greatest blessing I ever had. You see, we don't consider a man of God or a father of a man of God to be of importance. But it is critically important that we understand that ordination is a bloody thing. It's between the man called of God and the mentor that God has for him. And so who passes the mentor to a son, a man of God, a pastor of a church, a friend, somebody trying to help? Not really. The blood, the one who is related to you, the father of the one who is serving the Lord. There's more anointing on that man than anybody else. And so he goes home. Slaughters four bulls, 1,500 pounds each. Boils all of that. It took a week to get that done. And he says, they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elisha and ministered unto him. He was obeying the call of God to fool even as he should have done, total, complete commitment, complete surrender, leaving everything he had outside, and completely poisoning himself in the presence of God. Now, verse twenty in this in this in this study. But before we go any further to verse to chapter twenty, because chapter twenty. Everything in here is responsive to what has happened to Elijah and Elisha. What God has done through these two prophets and is about to do uh, now is expressed by the politicians as Ben-Hadad beseeches Samaria. Ben-Hadad is a Syrian king who took Toba Samaria. And as you begin to study you're going to see God doing something that you never expected in the life of Elijah and Elisha. And so, let's take a look at the, at the three verses we, we decided to consider today. The first verse is that an anointing requires a father. An anointing requires a father. That is why the family structure is so important. Fathers do not understand their place in spiritual dimension in the life of their children. Due to the accusation, the condemnation of Satan, fathers think of themselves as just somebody who pays bills. Let me tell you this. The anointing of the father is upon the children. All you have to do is to release it from yourself in their lives. If you're embarrassed, if you're hiding, if you're condemned, if you're in sin, there's no, no, no forgiveness, no repentance of your sin, 
then God cannot use you. And so the question here, most important, is the anointing and the mentor of authority comes in through a bloodline father. Number two, the choice of the man of God is not dependent upon his stature, is not dependent upon his schooling, is not dependent upon his eloquence. God doesn't call people because they can speak English better than anybody else. God calls people who are anointed of God to serve Him. Amen? Number three, the cost to serve the Lord recalls for complete surrender of everything you have. You know, I am at a, at a certain age where I don't have much. And I want you to know that when there's a need in my life, God supplies my need. I have my brothers coming from Brazil. I have very expensive things to pay for them and their meals. And uh, I have to take care of them and show them some grace. Give them some money so they can buy some things. They're, they're not wealthy people. Wealthy. So, so I need some money. And yesterday in the mail came a little money that I can use to take care of my, 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 my brothers as they come to visit me. And that is a miracle in itself. That's the way it's been in my life all the days I have lived. Now, next. God will require your personal life to be surrendered not only with what you have, but the respect that you must imply to your father and your mother. If your mother is deceased, then your father must be considered as the number one element in allowing God <coughs> to empower you with the Holy Spirit. I received from my father. Now, you probably ask, say, Rick, but my father is a person that committed sins against me. And he has done nothing for me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The sin of your father should in no effect empower, uh, be considered in the, in the posture of our nation in, in integrity, passing the mantle for you. There's more power coming in to a servant of God with his sins forgiven than 15 bishops. And so, the father and the mother in the celebration of what God has done has to be considered. Listen to me. Some of you preachers that are here today listening to me, you have neglected your father because he's just not a good speaker and he's an old man. You are sinning against what God could do in your life and you are playing the, the left foot of the fellowship with Satan. Go back to your father. Ask forgiveness. And he will anoint you with the mental of Elijah. Okay, now. I want to... I want to read the last part of the verse 21. It says, Then he arose 
Talking about packing up his things. You know, every prophet has a mental. Has a little bag. Somebody carries a suitcase or something. You know, change of clothes. Pair of shoes. Extra pair of shoes. Sandals. He said, he arose and went after Elisha and ministered unto him. What does that mean, minister unto him? You see, when you've been called of God to serve Him, and your anointing came in to those of you that have been blessed you with, with this mantle, you need to serve. You need to minister to that person. It could be your father. It could be another pastor. But you, how do you minister somebody? You watch their needs. You take care of their needs. You, you, you establish relationship. You become a servant of the one who anointed you. you know, I'm waiting for the day when I can get somebody to call me and serve to me. What do you mean minister to me? I need somebody to cook for me. I need somebody to drive for me. I need somebody to help me raise the money so I can pay some bills. I need somebody who allow me to be a servant of the Lord until the day I die. And so, you got to serve them and minister to them because they're serving you. And so, I want to pray. I hope that you blessed today and you heard what I said. I said a, things, a lot of important things today. I hope that you take that to heart. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, that the mantle of God will call and fall upon the servant of the Lord. God, I pray that this mantle is put upon those that hear. They be blessed abundantly. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Eu quero ser um testemunho Remove o erro e crie o bem em mim Estrela alta brilha em mim Brilha a luz que anuda o meu viver Atribulado pela ação de Satanás Clamando no escuro Correndo e olhando para trás 